0: Well good morning again. My other microphone broke. So now I'm holding this one like a lounge singer. I'm on a cruise ship. Remember cruise ships? Remember when those were a thing? That's fine. Everything's fine. Hey, uh, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, For our folks at at our home churches, we're certainly glad that you are uh, worshiping together and you've opened your home to uh, let others in to experience uh, the goodness of God. Uh, My name is Daryl. I am the newest pastor on staff here at uh, the 12th South location. Uh, both Elliot and Ackerman are out of town again this week. And as I told this service last last Sunday, that, that makes me the acting head pastor. And so if you need anything, you just let me know, guys. Uh, you need some money, we got some you can have. Um, if you need anything out of their offices, they're upstairs, just go take, just take what you want. No rules, no rules at all. Uh, this morning we're going to be in uh, two different passages. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you, we're going to be in the book of Exodus, where uh, we have uh, been walking our way through uh, some of the commandments uh, as we have exited our time—no pun intended—of um, of being a priesthood of believers. And what does that mean? Like, how am I a priest? Uh, We've now entered into a series that tells us uh, how do we now live uh, now that we are considered priests? How do we live in the world? How do we live among those? What does God's kingdom look like? Uh, So we're going to be in Exodus and in the book of Luke. So Exodus 20 and Luke 15 is where we'll be. Uh, So let us give our attention this morning to the reading of God's holy word uh, from Exodus 20 and Luke 15. Uh, Exodus 20 verse 1, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Skipping down to verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then skipping to Luke 15, 11 through 32, uh, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And when he came to his senses, he said, Now how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. The servant said, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he never answered his father. Look, all these years I've been, giving, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you, have never given, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends." But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray together. Our great and gracious Heavenly Father, two uh, very familiar passages to us, uh, likely familiar Um, both in their use and in their misuse, uh, familiar in that uh, we don't like honor, Uh, we don't like honoring others, Uh, we don't like uh, being told what to do, we don't like having authority over us, Um, and then we hear stories of of two sons who felt the same way that we can uh, relate to, and Lord, we love your word for that, uh, that it always gets to our heart, separates bone and marrow, as your word tells us. Uh, so as we enter a time into figuring out what does this even mean uh, to honor our parents? What does it mean uh, to live as a child? What does it mean to live as a child of yours? Uh, would you be with us? Uh, would you be kind? Uh, would you quiet the psychological noise that goes on, uh, even with the mere mention of a commandment such as this? Uh, we would leave here uh, rejoicing because of it. And it's in your son's name, would you pray? Amen. Um, there's no secret. I, I'm, I'm a pretty red blooded American. Um, and because of that, I really like authority kind of drives me nuts. And, um, uh, I love it when it benefits me, but I hate it when it doesn't. So if it's like somebody tell me, Hey, do this and you get a bunch of money I'd probably do it. But if they're like, Hey, do this. Cause I said, so I'd be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. Um, and so, when we run into uh, what does uh, authority look like in our lives, what does it look like to run into this, uh, I'm reminded of this show that came out, it was a long time ago, in 2009, uh, long before many of you were born, and uh, it came out, it was a show called Wife Swap, uh, don't Google that term, you are get in a lot of trouble, uh, but it was a show called Wife Swap, and uh, there was this little kid on it named Curtis, and he hit his 15 minutes of fame, and he's still riding it. Um, And to set up the scene for you, they have traded, so this one family got like the mom from another family who's come in, and she likes to eat healthy, Curtis doesn't. Um, And so she's trying to tell him what to do. Uh, We're going to watch this clip real quick, it's about a minute and 20 seconds, so let's look at this together. I need you guys to help me in the kitchen to fill these. We yeah, can do I it. I don't like this crap. Definitely no cheese in a can. Mm-hmm. Very happy to be this throwing this away. Bacon. No, I want my bacon. I got to tell you something. Bacon is good for me. This is very You're mean. You're going to be going to the grocery store. She thinks, at the blue, she's a smart little girl, that she can do whatever she wants. No, that's not how... She can do it in our family. She's that, like she's the queen, and we're the sorry people. Joy, I have been nice to you, but now I'm coming to the edge. I promise you one thing, OK? If you do not have at least one food that you like, I will buy you a piece of junk. Is that a deal? No, I keep losing at deals, and I don't want to make a deal anymore. I am leaving. And you can't stop me. I'm packing my bags. And a very very calm day until this. Oh, bump in the road comes, and she be sarcastic. Curtis, I won't be coming back until Saturday when you leave. She's gonna try to stop me, but she can't run those little high heels. Never see this face again. I need you guys to. Little Curtis, she can't run in those little high heels, and the tiniest suitcase ever invented. Look like that little purse that Lizzo carried. Um, but when we get to, when we get to Curtis, uh, Curtis really speaks for all of us, uh, because there is um, a bent in our heart uh, that bends toward rebellion, uh, and that bends toward uh, doing what we want. Uh, give me what I want, um, and that's kind of how we live our lives. And the fifth commandment comes in, and God is giving us this list of things to do as he says that we're going to establish this new nation, Um, and here's maybe ten good things to do, and he throws honoring your father and your mother on this list. And so we have to ask the question, why did this make the list that's on the same list as like murdering and stealing and lying and all that kind of stuff? Uh, And then we have to ask the question, what does it even mean to bring honor to them? Uh, What does it mean to bring honor to our parents? What does it mean uh, to bring honor really to everyone that we encounter? Uh, If you stretch this commandment out, uh, God's intention really is to apply this to any legitimate authority. So how do we uh, now live in a world where this, or in a kingdom rather, of God's, where this is one of the guidelines that God has given us? Um, Why did this make the list? And I would venture to say that this morning we're going to see that this made the list. Uh, We're told to honor our parents because God has honored his people. Uh, We honor our parents. We honor authority because God has honored his people. And because God has honored his people through their adoption in Christ, that believers can now bring honor to all those around them. Uh, Because God has adopted us, because he's brought us into Uh, a new family system and a new family structure, we can now take that and give honor to all those around us. So we're going to see two points really this morning and then sort of a point of application. Uh, So two points and a so what. First, the purpose of honor. Then we're going to look at the practice of honor and then so what. So purpose, practice, and so what. Uh, So let's dive in. Uh, If we're going to look at Exodus 20, verse 12 again. Um. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, now, honor is one of those words that uh, that we've really sort of messed up. Uh, it's this word that uh, the way that we tend to use it, uh, really in the Western culture and kind of in our everyday lives, um, is really not quite hitting the mark of what God has intended for this word to mean. It's sort of like when we use the word love to talk about how we feel uh, about our spouses, or our significant others, but we also use it to talk about like how we feel about tater tots. Uh, honor is a word that comes in, um, and in the original Hebrew, uh, was this word kavod, kavod. Um, and what that meant was th- that when you honor someone, you give a lot of weight to them, uh, a lot of gravity, that their name or their title carries with it Um, A lot of gravity. So uh, we call judges your honor. Uh, We set up statues uh, to really, like, in honor of other folks or in honor of someone. Uh, But when we see it used in the fifth commandment, honor is meaning a, a heaviness and a weightiness. It's not just remembering someone or something. But applying a certain level of importance to someone or a certain level of importance to something. So here is God instructing us to honor our father and our mother. The problem with this commandment is that it's been used and abused, right? Uh, It's been used in ways that have done tons of harm to us. Um, And if you're here this morning, um, you've had times that you've looked at this commandment and said, I'm not doing it. And. Uh, what this means is that whether we have great parents, uh, parents that we love, that are easy to honor, uh, or whether we've had terrible ones, uh, there's a certain level of gravity that they are to hold in our lives. There's a certain level of respect that they're to hold in our lives uh, to where we at least consider them to be important. Uh, we don't have to obey them, that's not what it's saying, But it's saying that they should hold a spot in your lives that does carry with it some sort of importance. And I would venture to say that you actually already know this. uh, Because no one has sinned against you uh, more than your parents have. And you'll sin against no one more than you'll sin against your parents. And family, as it is, is so firmly imprinted into our spiritual DNA. Uh, It's so firmly imprinted and engrafted into our lives Uh, that that will shape and pattern everything we do around how we were raised. Uh, You shape and you pattern everything you do around how you were raised. That's how you build your personality. It's how you build your sense of humor. Um, Whether you're introverted or extroverted, all those things are really a choice that you decided to make because it helped you survive. Uh, So we pattern everything around our family of origin, and it will hold such a powerful spot in your life because it affects nearly every decision we make. So this commandment teaches that honoring your family and therefore honoring any legitimate authority is ingrained in the kingdom of God. It's ingrained in the kingdom. Simply think of, of where it appears in the list of, uh, of ways that God says this new nation will be founded. Um, it's on the list of not murdering and not committing adultery, and not stealing, and not having idols, or disgracing the Lord's name. And this this commandment to honor your family is right there with it. And as God is establishing this nation, he's saying that a nation that has no respect for authority, and a nation that has no respect for their mother and their father or for the family system, is as wild and as insane as a country that would tolerate the rape and murder of its citizens. It's as, it's as insane of as a country that would tolerate just stealing each other's stuff. Family, in the Bible's estimation, brings order to society. In fact, if you look at how God has set up the world, he set up the world to work through families, right? We see it with Adam and his family. And then there's Abraham and his family. And there's Noah and his family. Uh, there's King David and his family. Uh, and then ultimately the family of God. So God has set it up to work through Families, he set up the world to work this way, and through the establishment of families, um, God is enacting his plan to change the world and advance the kingdom. Um, and some of us have grown up with incredible parents, um, and that's a gift. Uh, we've grown up with incredible parents, and honoring them is very easy. So when we run across this commandment, we think, yeah, that's fine, I can do that. Um, some of us have grown up with, uh, with terrible parents, Uh, This commandment may even be our least favorite one because remembering your own family experience is one of intense pain and heartache. And you'll refuse to show honor to your mom and your dad. Um, Some of us may have never even met them. We don't even know who they are. But could it be possible that we've looked at honor in the wrong way? Uh, Could it be possible that we've looked at honor in the wrong way when we approach this commandment? And if the purpose of honor is to give weight to my parents and their role in my life, God, if that's what you're saying, that the purpose of this is, what if I don't like them? Uh, what, if, what if my mom judges me for eating carbs? Like what if my parents come over to the house and then they never leave and they just kind of invite themselves over all the time? Uh, what if they tell me how to raise my kids? What if they tell me who I'm supposed to date? Uh, what if they tell me who I'm supposed to be friends with? Uh, what could really be at the heart of this commandment? How do I show honor when I really just want to show dishonor? How do we show honor when our hearts really just want to show dishonor? Um, and that's where we're going to look at the story of the prodigal son. That's where that story comes in, the parable of the prodigal son, which is going to bring us to our second point, the practice of honor. Uh, if we look at Luke 15, 11 through 32 again, we'll, we'll take a little walk through there. Um, it's a story that's often titled the prodigal son and the uh, Jesus is telling this parable of a family system that's pretty out of whack. Uh, There's a dad, and it's on purpose that this dad is perfect, right? Jesus is telling stories, making a point. Uh, There's a dad who has two sons, and by sort of the context clues uh, that we're given here, this dad's loaded. Uh, He's got tons of cash, and uh, and he also has like a bratty son who just wants his money, and he wants to leave. Um, He's tired of... Uh, He's tired of the rigmarole, whatever that means, of being in this family. He's tired of of working here. He just wants his cash, and he wants to go. And so he goes up to his dad, um, and he says, hey, old man, give me my share of the cash so I can get out of here. Uh, Now, that is a snapshot of dishonor. We all know that, right? For the younger son, his father represented just this sort of walking ATM. Uh, he He wanted his money so he could leave. Uh, He didn't want his dad, he didn't want his affection, he wanted his stuff. And uh, he wanted to get out from under his thumb, and he wanted to go out west and sort of live his life. Now, you likely know how the story goes. He gets all this money, he shoots off uh, to a distant land, and he loses it all. Uh, He spends it all on booze and food and hookers. And he's living life like it's some Netflix dating show, except his plan is shot when he runs out of cash. Uh, This famine comes in, all the food's gone. Uh, he's run out of money, and so he has to take a job. Uh, but the only job around is feeding pigs. Uh, I had pigs growing up. They're, like, they taste wonderful, but they, they're disgusting. Um, like, just, like their just existence is gross. And um, imagine like the job you don't want to do, uh, flipping burgers at McDonald's. Uh, think of the job that you don't want to do. That's the job that this kid had to do. Uh, because being a Jew and working with pigs is awful. Uh, they hated them. They don't eat them. Uh, they certainly don't want to work with them. And so it would have been such an embarrassment uh, for this kid who grew up super rich to now take the job that he never thought he would have to do. And what Jesus is getting at here is that for this son and then for many of us, like, we're just a couple beers and a couple bad decisions away from living a life that we never would have dreamt. Our sin and our lostness has caused us to look our Heavenly Father in the face and say, I just want your stuff. Like, I don't care about you. Just give me the life that I want. Um, so here's a kid with riches unimaginable, just a short walk away and he's looking at some rotten scraps that he's feeding to these pigs, and he wonders, like, is it okay if I eat a couple of these? Like, will the pigs get mad? Um, but he comes to this realization that he can actually go back home, and even if he's just like one of his dad's hired men, uh, that he would, like, it would be so much better than this. So he's like, if I just get a cot to sleep on, and maybe like a turkey sandwich, and I just get out of this mess, and so he just starts his journey back home. And he's running home. You guys know the story. He goes home. He's rehearsing this kind of bad speech that he's come up with. He's writing this narrative that he wants to say when he gets to his dad. Uh, His father sees him, and he runs to him, and he grabs his face. And then he kicks him in the crotch. And then he punches him in the throat. I'm just kidding. And he says, hey, you're such a brat. Why Why are you so irresponsible? You did this to yourself. Why don't you go get a job? And then you can come to Thanksgiving. Uh, you're grounded, right? You get 30 minutes of screen time, and that's it. Uh, I, he didn't say that. Um, he, Somebody says it all, and Jesus is describing that there isn't a party that this kid would have encountered on his, like, Amish rumspring affair that he just went on that would even compare to the one that his father instructs his people to throw. Kill the fatted calf, he says. Put some gold and some ice on this guy's wrist. Rings on his fingers. Some sandals on his feet. Because my boys back home strike up the band, play the music, pay whatever it costs. It doesn't matter. Gather the town. We're going to have wine and dancing and celebration because my son has come back home. The son showed the father dishonor. The father is showing the son honor. He's honored his son. He could have dishonored him. He could have told him that he was wrong to leave. It could have been like that movie Tangled, if you ever saw that that came out a couple years ago. Uh, the story of of a super weird mother and, uh, like, a weird relationship she had with her daughter. Uh, it's the story of Rapunzel. It's their take on it. Um, and there's a song in it that It's called Mother Knows Best. This could be your relationship with your own mom. Hear this. Take it from your mumsy. On your own you won't survive. You're sloppy and underdressed and immature and clumsy. Please, they'll eat you up alive. You're gullible and naive and positively grubby ditzy and a bit vague. Plus, I believe you're getting kind of chubby. And I'm just saying this because I love you. Your mother knows best. The father could have greeted the son that way, right? He could have said, look at all the things you did wrong. Like, look what you did to your mother. Look what you've done to this family. But he greets his son with a party and dancing that, didn't, that he didn't even come close to earning. He brings honor to his son because he saw his need and he met it. His need wasn't that he needed a job, and that he needed a sandwich and a place to sleep. His need was that he needed to be welcomed back into the family. That he needed to be adopted back in. But then there's this older son. He's kind of a brat too. Uh, the older son who is, um, he's throwing like a little pity party for himself because he hears all the music and the dancing, and he's wondering what's going on. And so he goes. The father meets him outside. He invites him in, and he refuses to go. Um, He even refuses, if you look at the passage, to acknowledge that this guy's his brother. He just says, that son of yours, that son of yours who squandered all his money on prostitutes, he gets a party? Like, I've done everything right. I never smoked a cigarette. You never even gave me a goat. Why would you even want a goat? You didn't give me a goat. I could even have a party with my friends. Yet this son of yours, who wasted it all, uh, gets this huge throwdown for him. And the father didn't call him a brat. He didn't call him like ungrateful. The father honors him, while the son, this other son, is also dishonoring his dad because he didn't love his dad either. He just wanted what his dad could give him. Uh, He wanted a goat and a party with his friends. He wanted recognition. And the father looks at him and says, you're right. You're right. You've been faithful. You've never left. You've been obedient. Uh, You've been a great son. You've got a lot of weird trophies in your closet. Everything that's mine, son, is yours. Everything is yours. Everything that was intended for your little brother has already been spent. Everything else that I have is yours. You can have all the goats you want. But for right now, your brother... And my other son is home. And we have to celebrate that. Um, older son, yes, everything, you, everything I have is yours. You get it all. Everything the light touches, to quote Mufasa. He's showing his great love for his son. But here's the thing. Jesus never told us whether the older son goes into the party or not. Uh, we're never told whether or not he goes in. But he still brings honor to his son by hearing their false narratives. One saying, "Hey, Dad, I'll do I'll do anything it takes. Just let me come back." The other son saying, "I did everything I was supposed to do, and you still don't love me." Uh, the father hears both their narratives, and he invites them into a bigger and a better story to live. And you may be asking, "So what? Like, who cares? That's a that's a parable. It's not even real." Um. Of course that father is perfect because Jesus was just making up the story. It's a made-up story. My dad wasn't like that. My mom wasn't like that. And maybe the older brother was right for not going in because his younger brother was an idiot. There's so many things that we bring into this passage. We have to ask, so what? What does this even mean? Which is going to bring us to our last point uh, before we head home. What this means for you is that you can bring honor to your parents. Because God the Father has brought honor to you. You can bring honor to all legit authority because God the Father has brought honor to you. Because if you're connected to Jesus Christ this morning, you were given honor and acceptance by the God of the universe. You think about that this morning? Because you're connected to Jesus, who was the perfect brother, right, who did everything right. He lived the life we're supposed to live. He died the death we're supposed to die. Um, Jesus, who did everything right, if we're connected to him, we're now adopted into this family by God the Father, and we're now free to love our own families. We're now free to love our own families, warts and all. They don't have to get in line, right? Your parents can't go back and fix what they did. God is looking at us and saying, I have given you such an honor of bringing you into my family and of shedding the blood of my son for you. You can now let them off the hook. Because here's the thing, living with that hatred and that dishonor of how our parents raised us, and y'all, I got a bucket load of it that I've spent a lot of money on at Sage Hill. They haven't fixed it. I'm, I'm going to blast them on Yelp. We have so much of this going on within us, so much anger and hatred and dishonor, and Jesus is saying, if you don't let them off the hook, it's going to control you. It still controls us. Our parents are still controlling us. They don't even live in our house anymore, but they're still controlling us. We have to let them off the hook, and I'm not saying a blind obedience because that's foolishness, right? but God is saying you can give them their proper place in your life because he has given you a place in his family that you never could have earned. So we ask ourselves this morning, Christian, when was the last time you delighted in your adoption in the family of God? When was the last time you looked back at your own rebellion and saw a heavenly father who greeted you with a kiss and a glass of wine and a Spotify playlist and a gathering of all of those who were in your new family? And can you see this morning how your church family makes up for what your nuclear family didn't give you? Can you see this morning how your church family makes up for how your nuclear family has failed you, that in this room, as white and as pretty as everybody is, sits a room full of folks who understand that I was a sinner and that Jesus Christ saved me. And because he did that, I want to welcome you into my house. This is what we see with our home churches, that we can invite people in because we have found where life is to be found, that we're beggars telling other beggars where they can find food, and that they can throw open the doors of their house, and you can throw open the doors of your house and the doors of your heart and your guest room and your kitchen and invite other folks in to help meet the needs of those whose families have failed them. That's what God is setting up in this new kingdom. He's setting up a new family who has loved each other well. Um, I'm reminded of the movie Blood Diamond. It came out forever ago. Um, and it's actually really violent, so I don't want you to go watch it. Um, but there's this uh, there's this scene in there where uh, the character Solomon, he's from Sierra Leone, and uh, his son has been kidnapped. Uh, he was taken to be a child soldier. And uh, he's taken away from home. This happens all the time on the continent of Africa. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's also in this movie. Um, and his character always says uh, this phrase, T-I-A, which means this is Africa. Like, look at all this craziness. Well, this is, just what, this is Africa. This is what they do. And uh, Solomon and Leo are, are searching for this diamond that's been buried in the ground and they find it. Uh, they've they've made their way through the entire movie. Tons of conflict. And they found where this diamond is hid. It's in a sack. It's in the ground. And Solomon digs it up. And as he's digging it up, uh, his son, Dia, emerges kind of from the thicket. So there's all these big tall grass. Um, there in the jungle. And uh, Dia comes out. And he's standing there. And Leo DiCaprio notices him first. And he's got a gun. And it's pointed at both of them. He's probably 10 years old. Um, And he's pointing an automatic weapon at his dad. Um, And Solomon looks at his son, and Dia looks at his dad, and they're both bawling because he realizes, one, my son ran away. I haven't seen him in a long time. He was kidnapped. And here's his son who's like, I'm about to shoot you. Um, There's tears streaming down both their faces. Dia, who has seen the horrors of sin, and child slavery, he's pointing a firearm at his dad. And Solomon says to him, and I won't do the accent because I'm terrible at it, but he says, Dia, what are you doing? Dia, look at me. You're Dia Vindi of the proud Mindy tribe. You're a good boy. You love soccer and school, and your mother loves you so much. She waits by the fire making plantains and red stew, and the cows wait for you. And Bakwu, the wild dog, minds no one else but you. And Dia, I know they made you do bad things, but you were not a bad boy. And I'm your father who loves you. And you will come home with me and be my son again. I know they made you do bad things. You're not a bad boy. I'm your father who loves you. You will come home with me, and you will be my son again. There's a reason that scenes like that uh, grip us the way they do, because we so desperately want this to be true. Uh, We desperately want to believe that a love like this exists. And I would maintain that it's only in the Christian story that this kind of love goes from being hypothetical to being real. It's only through the saving work of Jesus on our behalf that we can hear God the Father say to us, I'm your Father who loves you, and you will come home with me, and you'll be my son again. We'll never be set free from the chains of our relationships with our parents until we hear these words. So friends, this morning, let us run to Jesus. Uh, Let us run to God the Father who loves you, and let us live in the honor of being called his sons and his daughters. Let's pray together.